Hey, Double Shifters, it's Catherine, and this is the January 4th, 2023 newsletter, Stories from the Frontlines of Intentional Community. I am very excited that I wrote this before the holidays, and it was all ready to go, but I didn't record it until it's Tuesday as I'm recording this. I am very tired. My twins were up barfing all night. The fantastic start of the new year, so apologies for any low energy in this reading. I want to start 2023 on a creative and hopeful note. So today I'm sharing some stories from Double Shifters on how they've created their own intentional communities. I find formal co-housing fascinating. Did you ever listen to the Double Shift episode that talks about it? It's called Don't Call Me Mom, Call Me Ted. It was from season two. I highly recommend checking that out if you haven't listened or going back and listening to it. And it came out at the, I think, fall 2019. But there are many ways to create community-oriented living situations outside of the specific structure of formal co-housing. The pandemic has definitely clarified for me how important physical proximity can be for creating strong ties, and that's definitely a highlight for me of where I live now. We live across the street from my oldest son, Asher's school. You can see Asher's best friend's house from our porch, and we all recently vacationed together in Florida. And my Durham bestie, Dr. Liz, shout out to Dr. Liz, she's a member, she may be listening to this right now lives two and a half blocks away, which is just a huge thing that contributes to my life. My mother-in-law is about an eight-minute walk down the road, and while I don't think of this as an intentional community per se, it's definitely a community that I really appreciate and that my husband and I have both invested a lot of energy into. Some months ago, I put a call out in the newsletter about your formal and informal intentional communities, and I loved hearing from you all about your living arrangement choices. So I'm gonna share three vignettes from Double Shifters which have been edited for length and clarity. Hannah Dreicher, I am realizing I did not learn from her how to pronounce her last name, sorry Hannah. She lives in St. Louis, Missouri. This is her edited and condensed words. My husband and I bought a nine unit, three story building in the city of St. Louis three weeks before we got married in 2018. We spent about two years trying to figure out what to do with it. It's still not done, but we live with our baby and our toddler in two units on the second floor that we turned into one three-bedroom, two-bath apartment. A single cishet female friend named Mel lives in the remaining second-floor unit with her dog, and a single cishet male friend Bryce lives above her in a third floor unit with his two dogs and cat. On the first floor, we have one unit used by a collective of Catholic priestesses. They are awesome. Um, Also just Catholic priestesses. I just am dying to know more. This is like so double shifty. We are planning to turn the middle first floor unit into a small one bedroom apartment. The final first floor unit was a yoga studio movement space previously, and we use it as shared common space for the whole community. We use it for parties, board game nights, ritual meals. And we have a giant shared backyard with a communal-ish veggie garden and an herb garden, and we all dip in out of it according to our time and inclination. 
The priestesses fairly regularly host rituals and song circles in the backyard. Right now, the others pay rent to us. My husband, Adam, and I would prefer co-ownership model, but however, renting right now, it's the preference of the community members, so they're, they're sticking with renting. We regularly eat meals together, formally and informally. The residents of the building, Mel, Bryce, and our family, eat together in some combination at least once a week, often more. Since my husband and I both work for pay and struggle to get meals prepared for ourselves and our kids, this is a wonderful addition to have these group meals. With the priestesses and their families, we try to have a community dinner monthly, and we're beginning a new adventure of opening the community dinner up to the wider community too, which is exciting. We all love it. We love that we can just run into each other, drop into each other's homes at the last minute, shout out our windows at whoever's in the yard, or even go days without seeing each other. It feels like a really fantastic mix of communal and private space. In terms of downsides, there aren't many, but I admit I yell weekly about the dog shit in the backyard, and there are some conversations that maddeningly happen over and over again, and that's just how it goes. Despite these small drawbacks, I don't know how I could ever live in a single-family home after this experience. Our new dream is to start getting other folks to slowly buy the houses and buildings around us so we can just keep expanding the community. And there are photos of Hannah's backyard and one of her kids and her cohabitator in the newsletter. There's photos from, from each of the stories, so you can check out the, the newsletter in your inbox if you want to see some photos. Thank you, Hannah, for that really fascinating, very cool story. Okay, next, I'm going to share a story from Danielle Brestel from Durham, North Carolina. These are Danielle's words. I am the co-founder of Weaving Water, which is an intentional community near the Eno River in Durham, North Carolina, where we encourage people to slow down and connect with family, community, in the natural world. We have 21 acres of land and we will have 24 duplex units and a common building for group activities, common meals, and a movement space. The living spaces will be on five acres of developed space, so the rest of is either gardens or forest. Among the community that has committed to moving in, there's a lot of intentionality in how we work together as a group. We have a consensus-based decision-making process around all the policies that we create. The first inkling I had that I might want to investigate co-housing was on my 39th birthday seven years ago. I tend to be a person who looks at the glass half empty. I realized I would go from caring for my child, who was seven at the time, to caring for my parents, who would be 80 when she theoretically left the nest. I'm an engineer, and caregiving does not come easily to me, so I wanted to think about a multi-generational community that would provide support for me and others. We started advertising for members about five years ago. At this point, we have finished our site work. So we've installed all of our utilities and pavement and that sort of thing, and we're getting ready to start vertical construction on our buildings. We hope in about seven or eight months, 14 of our duplex units will be ready to move in. We have 10 committed households right now, including my parents, and seven or eight more close to making a decision about moving in. I'm paid about 10 hours a week to work on weaving water, but I usually spend 15 to 20 hours a week on it, in addition to taking freelance structural engineering projects. Probably the most difficult aspect of this is dealing with interpersonal conflict. We are consensus-based, so how we end up navigating conflict in order to live the values we've created is an ongoing process. Also, I just want to share that weaving water in Durham, North Carolina, where I live, 
is still looking for more families to complete their community. And there's a link in the newsletter if you want to find out more. Honestly, at a different phase in my life, I would be extremely interested in this myself. The next person, a double shifter we're going to hear from is Marika Zimmerly Beck, who lives in Portland, Oregon. And these are Marika's words. Last year, we bought a duplex with friends in Portland, Oregon. They live upstairs and we live downstairs. Both couples were starting to feel ready to buy, but we both were thinking we are going to need to buy out in the suburbs instead of staying in the city like we wanted for cost reasons. This arrangement allowed us to stay in the neighborhood we've been renting in for eight years, and we actually ended up down the street for some friends we already knew from the neighborhood. We just celebrated a year of living in the house. It's been great having other folks to lean on for projects, having a built-in community when something goes wrong, like when our fridge broke over the summer and the soonest we could get a new one delivered was a week later. We went upstairs every morning for half and half for our coffee. We've had a few disagreements about pink colors and have needed to remind our upstairs neighbors to keep it down when we're doing bedtime with a five-year-old, but pretty much it's been amazing. Our co-owners don't have kids, but they do have a dog and are getting a puppy in a few weeks. We don't want to have pets, but our five-year-old gets the benefit of a dog to hang out with. We all signed a contract that will help when or if we decide to sell and also lays out dispute resolution pathways. We have a joint house account that we all put in the funds for the mortgage and shared utilities into and pay the bills from there. Also, I wanted to share that Marika has an Instagram account with her with her co-owners that that is showcases some of their house fixing projects of their historic home in Portland, Oregon, and there's a link to that in the newsletter. So those are the three stories. I really enjoyed learning more about these different ways of intentionality that people live. In tomorrow's Members Only thread, I'm going to ask you to share what kind of community intentionality you bring to where you live, formal, informal, sharing thoughts on that. And thank you, as always, for being a member. You should see that in your inbox tomorrow, Thursday, noon, Eastern time. A couple of links to share things that bring me joy at the start of the year. I have learned about Loving Black Single Mothers, which was created by Toy Marie. She has been featured in this newsletter before. She's nurturing an organization of running three powerful UBI initiatives. One is a forever flourishing campaign where mothers who are invited into the ecosystem receive a total of $30,000 in guaranteed thriving income. One is a summer camp joy fund of up to $1,000 a month for black single mothers to send their kids to camp. And one is a holiday love program, which is a four-month ecosystem that provides $500 a month to support black single mothers during the holiday season. I really love what Toy is up to, and I'm supporting her work with a monthly donation. Also, in the spirit of black joy, you should definitely check out the Black Birth Joy Line. Is created by a, a real visionary in the space, Kimberly Seals Allers, and it features two-minute clips from the Birthright podcast as a reminder that joy can exist in Black birth because we hear so much about all the negatives of the Black experience of birth with maternal mortality and other kinds of trauma. So this is a real affirmation about, about the relationship between birth and joy um, in the Black community. So there's a number you can call and it is 1-844-5-GET-JOY. 
and then you can press 1 to 6 to listen to the audio clips, or you can text get joy to that number to receive the clips via text, which is like such a cool idea. The audio is updated weekly, and the Joyline will run until February 1st, 2023, so you have about a month to check it out. And I also just mentioned a viral video that I really enjoyed was Miley Cyrus and Dolly Parton's medley on New Year's Eve. There is a link in your show notes. Thank you, as always, for being members. I I hope you will consider making a New Year's resolution to become a member. I mean, you already are a member. So I hope your resolution might be to come to a hangout. I had so much fun with our members only holiday solidarity hangout. We talked mental load, freeing each other of any guilt for not doing things like Elf on the Shelf and how to let things go during the busiest time of year. And I loved hanging out with you all. I will announce the January date soon, but there's a photo in the newsletter of a screenshot of of the Zoom. We, We had a great time. So make an easy resolution to come to one this year if you haven't already or come to more. I love hosting them and I love seeing you all there. Thank you all for, as always, for being members of The Double Shift. And I look forward to a great year with you all.